0: Hey guys, welcome to a very special episode of A Kenny For Your Thoughts podcast. We're actually interviewing Chris Hamrick, an ECW original as well as former WWF superstar. Really cool of him to offer to do our podcast. It truly was an honor to have him on, and it was even better that he gave us so much insight into the wrestling business. Uh, we generally had a very, very good interview, and uh, when we went off air, we, we couldn't stop talking about it. So I'm, I'm really excited to be sharing this one with you. Um, would love to have him on again. Chris is truly a great guy, and, and all the stories I've ever heard about him, um, everyone always says he's got a very good mind for the business, and he's a very humble and entertaining guy. And uh, that is on full display on this episode. So uh, without further ado, let's get to the episode. Everybody in? Yeah. Alright, awesome So what makes you
1: think Brian gay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's funny you bring that up
0: <laughs> No man, we're, we're definitely uh, not PG on the podcast Okay, so I can
1: be me
0: Oh yeah, 100% yeah. I mean, that's what we want, right? You're doing us a favor, right? Being, and, and, I, I'd appreciate you being completely unfiltered anyway so it's all good <laughs> well, I'm cool about that, man. Put it this way, we're doing a, it's a two-part series, um, we just covered like ECW One Night Stand 2005, then we're gonna do, you know, the backstory of ECW, and then you're an ECW original that's gonna be on our show as well, so, it's pretty awesome. But, yeah, it's pretty cool, cause like, I have these shows right
1: after ECW and, molded, and they go, hey man, this is like an ECW show, and I'm like, well, we
0: can get fucking paid? What's this, man? Yeah, I'm like, oh.
1: <laughs> it's
0: all good all right so we have a special guest to the podcast he's mr chris hamrick he's actually an ecw original he was an ecw what was that 2000 2001 um and yeah yeah pretty pretty cool because mr hamrick actually we posted a clip of him uh when he was an enhancement talent in the wwf in 1994 and you were cool enough to comment back and then not only that but offer to be on the podcast so thank you so much man
1: well, it's funny because, I mean, I did the bump in 94, and people still talk about it. And then, you know, some people swear it down and it's a botch, but I did it fucking so WWE three times, and then I did ECW. So how many times can I botch the same fucking move before I learn, you know? Right. I said, if, um, I just like seeing people's replies when I reply. and go, God, what a stupid move that was. So it's something <laughs> stupid, you know, and just, just to make fun of it, you know, it's just...
0: Yeah, man, and, th- and that's I'm funny. Cool like that, ma'am. I'm sure you've gotten some responses where people are like, "Yeah, it was stupid, wasn't it?" Like they don't understand the business and don't understand that, like how much, how many times can a person botch uh, the same move, you know, without you know giving up on the move after a while. <laughs> right, it
1: looks like I would have learned my lesson. No, nope. I never did. So Friend of a bitch. <laughs> One day they're not going to move. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, you know. I'll tell
1: you a funny story. I'll tell you a story about it. Is I wrestled Rick Steiner uh, one night, and then I wrestled uh, Bobby Eaton one night, right? And I did the bump. Well, they didn't know nothing about the bump. You know, i lay them on second rope, and then before I'd, you know, run through the ropes, i tell them move. So when they would move, I'd go climb through the ropes. So they'd like, hey, man, what was that thing through the ropes? I said, yeah, you weren't supposed to move. They said, oh, I thought you said move. I said, I said, please don't move. <laughs> So, like, what? I'm just like,
0: on, <laughs> so they they thought that you just got hurt in the process and they they screwed everything up royally and you're sitting there with hurt you hurt your tailbone and it's all their fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I got to give you some credit, man, because you got some balls. I don't think a lot of people in the industry would take that bump night after night because. There's a gnarly bump like that is a flat back to the outside of the ring i mean what, what what's that drop like at least six seven feet if not never, more
1: I've, I've never got hurt doing that bump ever
0: and and i think that that um, shows you you're a true professional man because if, if you never got hurt doing either that, that just, wow
1: that's just a fucking moron
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey you gotta have you but gotta that, have I've some got hurt doing it Right, you got to have some crazy in you to be in the wrestling business, man. You're you're tough. You're a tough son of a bitch. So, uh, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate the hours of entertainment.
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Is and then I tell the all these young guys coming up, today, if you want to stand out, you got to be different. You go to a wrestling show, just a little indie wrestling show, and you're going to see fucking hip toss, arm drags, body slam, drop kicks, Well, now it's fucking us to the outside and whatever. Right. You got to do something to make you stand out. You know, otherwise you're just another match on the card. And what makes you stand out if you're going to do the same shit they do? So I started, even before it was cool, I was, I was um, getting tapes from a buddy of mine, maybe in Mexico, Japan, or something. And I'd see something, if it made me pop, I'd be like, well, shit, if it makes me pop, it's going to make people pop, you know? Right. So I would do something that would try to make me stand out. And then just so happens that most of the shit that I remember for says is bumps. Right. Uh, I used to do one where I was standing on the apron and fucking they'd hit me and I'd cut a flip around to the floor. And this is where <laughs> they started having those fucking blue mats and all that shit. Then I used to do another one where I'd shoot the guy in the trombone do a stinger splash. He'd move and I'd throw over the top, trombo, uh, over the pole and everything to the floor. Man. So, you know, <laughs> you, you just gotta be different. But you want them talking about you when they leave.
0: Right. And I mean, it's all these years later. I mean, like you said, that was 94. And you got, you know, someone like me who, you know, I was, what, five years old when that bump happened? And, you know, I'm still okay. marking out. <laughs> but I'm still I'm still marking out for that move, man, because every every time I see it, I'm just like, holy shit. Like, I I don't have the balls to go take that move right now. And, uh, man, I mean, let me let me ask you a question. I have a question because. I know in one of your matches when you first started in ECW, you took one of the staple deals, the staple guns, a new jack right to the head. So, right. what hurts worse, your bump or that staple to the head?
1: I'll let you know. Secret, he had <laughs> staples in
0: it? It didn't have any yeah, well, staples well, in it.
1: That scratch, makes sense. Wow. And, well,
2: he told me. Well, this is what
1: he told me, and knowing new jack is probably true. For people that he liked, he would put his hand over the thing and staple went to his own hand Wow! instead of the head. Gotcha. So I don't know if he did that or not, but when he grabbed me, I went, oh, shit, I wonder if your staples in this summer, bitch. And then when they went, I went, like, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. Okay, so obviously the staples didn't hurt as much because you didn't get staple in the fucking head.
1: <laughs> right, right. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, man. As tough as everybody thought ECW was and, you know, hardcore and all that bullshit. I never got stiff one time up there. Everybody knew what they thought they were doing. And that's the, thing, the cool thing about ECW was is everybody there was to help somebody. Um, I'll give you a prime example. When me and Easy first started, um, Chili Willie came up to, I don't know, we're probably going three weeks, and Chili Willie came up and he goes, "Hey, you've always got heat. And I went, "For well, what? And he said, well, Jason was kind of shy, and he didn't know the guys. like I mean, met the guys from Smoky Mountain. And going to do wwe jobs and all that shit, right so i kind of knew a lot of the people and um jason did so he kind of shot away from them and uh julie says hey man he goes uh we shake hands and we hug when we get here and we shake hands and hug when we leave because we're family wow. for him to get heat over not doing that that shows you how you know fucking serious they was
0: yeah they were close to we the unit we, yeah. were family.
1: we were family
0: that's awesome, man. That's that's actually a cool story. I haven't I haven't ever heard. So, I mean, uh, thanks for sharing that on the podcast. I mean, that it shows, though, in, in the work, you know, as a fan watching ECW, it seemed like a bunch of guys that had each other's backs and not just in the wrestling business, but in life. And there's a reason why well, you, du- you see
1: if there's a fight, you, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about nobody having your back.
0: Right. And unfortunately
1: the locker room would you know, empty out before God got the word.
0: <laughs> and unfortunately my co-host, he doesn't have my back you know, like that. So. Like
1: the, California deal, the California deal with the SPW guys. Right. You know, I mean look at how look how fast they emptied the locker room. Right. I would have jumped out there too and beat the fuck out of Christy and but <laughs> there, so it's all good.
0: <laughs> if you were there it'd have been probably completely different, right? Yeah, Chris
1: Miss, we got
0: her ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um so, you know, in talking about your bump, man, uh just to go go back to that. How did you come up with that? Like what were you doing? Like you, I know you said you you looked at tapes, but did you see that specifically on a tape or did you just go, you know what would fucking make people pop <laughs> and then come up with that? I know,
1: it was a night for them. It was an accident the first time. I used to lay guys on the second rope and they wouldn't move, and I would hit the second rope and bounce back in. Right. And uh, one day I just overshot it and I hit the floor. And I mean, when I was laying there, you could heard it. You could heard him drop. The crowd was just fucking alive. And I'm like, kind of moved my back a little bit, and I was like, Oh shit! <laughs> the nerve to do it. The second time was the hard part.
0: <laughs> so at least, at least you were smart enough to hear that reaction and go, "I'm gonna stay here for a little bit and sell the crap out of this," as opposed to just getting up. You know, since right, it, right. yeah, because some people they might they might hit that and then realize they messed up and got up. But I think that comes with uh, experience in the business, right?
1: Dude, I have sold that shit so hard that I would make a promoter carry me to the back. And then when I get to the back door, i would be like, that's that big shit out of walking. You know what I'm saying? Like, Right. <laughs> just, it looks legit, though. You know what I'm saying? It looks like a legit fucking, it could hurt. Uh, and it that's j- why people
0: buy it. So, so let's talk. You were, you were talking about ECW. What was it like working with Paul Lee? You know, I know you said the atmosphere, everybody was like family. But, you know, Paul Heyman's regarded as a creative genius. Uh, what's your personal opinion on Paul Heyman and Paul Lee dangerously, if you will?
1: Well, Paul scared the shit out of me because, I mean, he was to <laughs> just like that. And it was probably about three weeks when I was there before I saw Paul the first time. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, um, Tommy pretty much handled everything. And he wasn't there a lot. You know, he was out in California getting a TV deal or a film, filming a movie, whichever you want to believe. And, you know, that's, but he didn't get shot when nobody else would. He gave a lot of people shots when they, you know, nobody else would. So I've got nothing bad to say against him
0: and i think that's why ecw is such a family right because like here here were a bunch of guys that like some of the other promoters were not giving a shot to and paul lee saw something in them and you know took a hold of them and made something of them so i i can see why that atmosphere was so loving if you will and which is ironic to say a loving atmosphere in such a hardcore federation well you got
1: to think about it guys we're out there and nobody's getting paid or the, the checks are two or three weeks behind and we're still going out there busting our ass and giving one hundred ten percent for it because we love wrestling. We love DCW.
0: Right. And uh, so, so let you, know, you
1: can tell you can tell a difference when it's for money or when it's for love.
0: Of course. Because,
1: I mean, we you know back then WCW WFW was on, but to me, and I'm not saying that just because I was there, but I think we had the best wrestling hands down.
0: I think so too. And you and... got
1: guys over there making millions and millions of dollars that they ain't doing shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and. and... I would, I would say, I mean, as a fan, there was something special about ECW because, you know, WWE and, and WCW were a lot, I don't want to say storyline-based, but there were a lot of guys phoning it in. I hate to say it. They're making six figures, they're making seven figures, and they were phoning it in. The guys in ECW, half the lights weren't even on sometimes. Paychecks were bouncing, and yet they're going out there and stealing the show, doing better matches than any other promotion at the time. And that's why, even as a youngster, I was just like, there there is something amazing about ecw um so that being said h- how did you get into ecw like what what was that like i know um you said um paul heyman w- who was responsible i should say to get you into ecw
1: okay now you want to talk about intimidating this is the most intimidating i've ever been in my life um Cash, me make your cash were best friends and he kept telling me he's like i'm gonna get you a job in ecw and i'm like yeah yeah whatever and the only reason, and I ain't gonna lie, the only reason I knew what ECW was, but the only reason that I started watching it was because Cash was on there and I wanted to see what my boy was doing. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, he tells me, he says, Hey, come to Columbia. I've got you and uh, Jason, which is Easy Money, a trial. And so we went and did a trial. Now you're talking about all the ECW guys that are on TV and pay per view sitting in, the, you know, sitting at ringside watching your trial. And I'm like, Holy fuck. So there's, like, I don't know, probably 10 guys trying out. And me and Jason were the last two. And the first two was the drizzling ships. You got a Man on the, on the uh, ringside going, Yo, what the fuck was that? Get the <laughs> fuck out. Not that. Get the fuck out of the building. Like, oh, my God. No pressure there. So me and, me and Jason did a match. And um, we actually talked it out on the way up to the show. We stopped at the empty mall parking lot, walked through it a couple times. And then it just shut to the building and did it right. So um, after the match, Cash comes up and he goes, "Hey, he goes, um, you got to do your match again." I was like, "Okay, but why?" So well, Tommy Dreamer just got here and he's agreed to watch you two again. So we did the same match again. But uh, so um, well, I've been got dressed, and you know, we're just gonna hang out and uh, we're standing on the stage. Tommy Dreamer comes up and he goes, "Hey, uh, Kid Cash and Chili Willy against Cash's two boys." And the first time it went right over my head, and then I was thinking. Wait, we're catching two boys. I went, we're fucking working the night and catch like, yeah, and I went, holy shit, you know, so that was pretty cool. And then after the match, Dreamer comes up and he goes, I got to take care of my guys, but it's just, you know, profitable for you to come to the show, you know, come hang out, you know. So we started going after that, and then probably, I don't know, a month, maybe two months, um, you know, Dreamer comes up and he's like, hey, I can't afford to fly you in, the money's not going to be that great. But when we get a TV deal, you'll get a contract to consider yourself full time employee by ECW.
0: That's fucking Which awesome. Which is
1: cool because I mean we had a shoot we had a spot on every show. Before that, what you would do is you would come, you would work out in the ring, you would stay dressed and hope somebody fit the wrestle. If not, then you just you showed up for nothing. Right. So luckily the second week there that we went, uh we we worked out and got dressed, you know, in the back. And Tommy Grimmer comes up and he goes, Chili Willy goes, somebody, you won't work. And Joe's like, well, Get hammered!" And then after that, we worked every show.
0: Right. And I was watching some of those matches on, on the WWE Network, which is cool. Like, it's so cool that you can just type in your name and pull up like everything you did on you know ecw hardcore tv uh, on the pay-per-views and whatnot so i think i saw like your your first match in ecw before you were even doing like the confederate currency type gimmick and whatnot so you know i think you were wearing like the white the white outfit and uh yeah yeah yeah, i mean like it's so cool that you we have a platform you know in 2019 where i can just type your name and search everything about you and your wrestling career at this point how do you feel, you know, knowing that your legacy, you know, lives on in something like that now? Like, you know, you can pull, you know, pull up the WWE network and show your kids, you know, hey, this is what Dad used to do.
1: Right, right, yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty cool to have fucking both named after you too. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know I never was top WWE name, or you know, I wasn't even a top ECW name. But I made, you know. I made a good living at wrestling. I got to see the world. I'm happy with you know the way it went. I mean, I wish I could make millions of dollars. Don't get me wrong, but I had fun. I met a lot of people that I never would have. You've went know, to a lot of places I never would have got to.
0: Go. You know, like ECW, that's friends for life, man. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you you have fond memories of ECW. I mean, um, who speaking of which, I mean, who was your favorite opponent in ECW?
1: Y'all don't think I'm crazy, but I love wrestling. You got.
0: No, nah, that's not crazy. New Jack, New Jack was uh, the freaking man. Uh, you didn't
1: have to remember any spots. You didn't have to remember any spots. You know, um, it, it was funny because like when um, when I first got to see, I need mean, New Jack. Me and New Jack had a history before came to ECW. Okay, so. Um, the very first night is when I was, on the, you know, that's when I was hanging around. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm going to see New Jack. Cause I run for New Jack's very first night is Smoky Mountain Rice TV cable. Oh, wow. And I bought for him like a bad man and put him over like a million dollars. And to this day, he's never forgot that. Right. So anybody says that New Jack don't respect the business or anything business is is stupid or, you know, they don't, they don't have a fucking clue what New Jack's about. New Jack helped me get my job in ECW. He helped me get my job in SPW. And he helped me, you know, he's helped me a lot. Um, So we're sitting there one night, and um, we're working out, and and they really don't shoot on you, but they kind of stick to you a little bit and kind of blow you up to make sure that you want to be there. And so when they started with easy, he gets the fuck out of the ring, and they're like, "All hey, right, hammer your turn," and I'm like, "I don't play, you So I get there and I'm playing, you know, don't keep bumping out of the shit. And I hear, uh, uh-oh, and they're like, "Oh, what? you got sticking his earrings up." <laughs> Nobody need a history between me and you, Jack. So they think, oh, shit, but he's going to beat the hell out of me. (laughs) So he comes in, and he's like, I'm getting a hard-on thinking about this. He shoots me in, he gives me a back drop, he gives me an arm drag, he gives me a hip toss, and he gives me a fucking drop kick. You could hear a mouse hit the floor all over the building. So Jack called me over there. He goes, you know why I did that? I'm like, I'm not off." What the fuck? He's like, no. He says, because I haven't been in a ring since, uh, since I started here for an ECW workout. He said, You wait and see. He said, That's going to take you from the top to the bottom, you know, from the bottom to the top one night. And he said, I did that for you. And like, All right. So, uh, sure enough, I was wrestling Chilly the Lily that night. And Tommy Dreamer comes up to New Jack and goes, Hey, since you like this guy so much, you want to beat him up after the matches with you. So I do. And that's what started it.
0: <laughs> nice. Hey, and then, you know, it was a little sidebar, but I don't, it, it like you said, I don't think a lot of people respect New Jack. Uh, and the and the accomplishments that he had. If you want to right now go on YouTube and just search some of the promos he did uh, with the, the, the gangsters, he and Mustafa um, Mustafa Said, sorry, uh, about The Undertaker and other wrestlers. He's one of the best promos in the business and he doesn't get enough respect for that. People just think, oh, he doesn't like the business. It's like, no, he just wasn't one to fuck with. The
1: thing about it is, is people don't realize his position. New just was known as a hardcore guy. Right. Anytime you're in there with somebody you don't know, and they fucking start going off script, you don't know if they're trying to build up a reputation on your ass or not. So you do what you got to do. Same thing with fucking uh, Gypsy Joe. I watched the match. Right. The guy, you know, he just stopped selling and hit me Jack across the ear, and he got to beat the fuck out of him, plain and simple. Same thing with the guy that he stabbed in Florida. You know, this guy cancels up, bats Jack against the ropes, and Jack don't oh, know what the fuck he's going to do. Jack's got to do what he's got to do to protect himself. Right. You know, right, so
0: I mean, right, I and that's
1: uh, probably 50 times, and he's never hurt me,
0: never, right, and that's I mean, that's a good point, man. Like, I mean, New Jack was known for that and that hardcore style, and you don't know who's trying to make a name on him and right, and you know, right. mess I him beat, up.
1: I beat New Jack up,
0: right, because I beat you know, New
1: Jack up, I'm a fucking legend in the, I'm in the making,
0: right, and you know, it's something even I haven't thought and of,
1: you never know.
0: right. Man, that's cool. That's 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 some very good insight, man. And and, and you just changed my perspective.
1: Like, when you're known as a as a good wrestler and putting on great matches, each time you go out there, you have to prove to who you are that the people are right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just you know, up that reputation, and, and you gotta you gotta fucking defend that reputation. You know, ECW guys were known for fucking. Going out, working hard, doing that. So when we went on the 80s, you know, we had to keep that reputation. There's a reason that I'm here in the main event. There's a reason that, you know, you're pushing me as ECW original. And there's a reason that I was there. If I go out there and I do a lazy-ass match or, you know, calling it in, people leave even wonder. Why the fuck? No wonder ECW closed. Right. You know what
0: I'm saying? Yeah, that, you... You,
1: have to, you have to be better than everybody else on that show.
0: Wow. And, I mean, that's that's a good point, man it really is i mean you're going out there you have essentially the whole ecw legacy on your back because you're being promoted as an ecw Absolutely. original and you know Absolutely. so you can't stink Absolutely. the joint up at all you know <laughs> so i mean that that's freaking awesome man i i didn't even think about that but bro this is about you i know we're, we brought you on to talk about ecw but we do want to talk about chris hammerick the man too so it'll take us all the way back man uh when did you start training? What? Why did you get into the business? And, and when? around what time was this?
1: All uh, right, let me see. Well, it was about 3 o'clock one day. Uh, no, um, <laughs> my family time, with my family, used to be, we used to load up and go to wrestling. Wrestling was at Spartanburg Memorial Auditorium in Spartanburg, South Carolina, every Saturday night. And then it was in Greenville, South Carolina, every Monday night. That was our family time. We used to family together, and we would go to wrestling. And from day one... I was a Ric Flair fan. This was before Nature Boy, before any of that shit. He just he stood out to me. And that's what that's what, you know, made me like him. Well, for my ninth birthday, um I come home, there's a pile of lumber in the yard. My dad's like, Guess what it is? You can have it. I'm like, I'm cool. Came home next day and there's a wrestler set up in my yard. My Holy dad bought me a ring for my ninth birthday. Wow. Now I could pretty much watch shit on T V and go out my spring and do it. You know what I'm saying? Uh I remember seeing Brian Fieldman do a springboard and I just thought, Oh my God, that is so fucking awesome. I went out and tried the first time, busted my ass, and went out and tried it the second time and did it. And so I was self trained, other than as far as boots and, and shit like that. Now um as far as psychology and shit like that, Ricky Morton taught me that.
0: What so you were trained by Ricky Morton? like the legendary Ricky Morton that that says a lot about you man
1: yeah i used to, i used to be a fan of his so i met
0: no, I love, I fucking love Ricky Morton. and <laughs> uh, Ricky Morton on this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but hey, did you, I mean, did you get, what did you get off of Ricky Morton? Did you kind of like go for his look a little bit? Because I, I did see some of that, you know, that, that blonde hair going, blue eyes. I mean, did did you pattern yourself in the early days after Ricky Morton, or do you think that was just coincidence? Let me tell you funny
1: stories. Y'all remember y'all were probably too damn <laughs> dumb. Chris Champion and uh Sean
0: Right. I have, yes. Uh Brandon probably has it, but it was I have
1: in the year two thousand and two <laughs> and this was back in fucking 80s, cents or whatever. Right. I, I love them guys because they were fucking different. And they you know, they impressed me. So me being the stupid little indie hard that I was, I had my hair cut like Chris Champion. Gotcha. Um well, before that, I, yeah, I did the fucking blonde hair mullet bullshit. And uh, so they, they actually started booking me as a rock and roll look-alike. I had a, a partner with black hair, and we were the uh, uh, Trumpton Express and rock and roll look We went to Oklahoma, and I swear to God, you would have thought the rock and roll express was there. Right. We had girls, we had the uh, maids that wouldn't leave the room we fucking everywhere we went, we drew attention. and then like, um, after the match we, I think we wrestled the fourth match and uh, we come out and we asked the crowd, we was like, you know, how was the show? And they're like, we don't know. We've been back here ever since y'all got back. And I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> so we were over like Rover right and uh, sure enough, we was coming home and I'm coming back to the hotel and we listened to the local radio station and people were called and dedicating fucking songs to us. Oh, wow. It was fucking amazing. And not even mention Raps. I won't even go there. Uh, <laughs> so fucking, you know, I was like, hey, this is going to work. So I just come with it. And dude, I mean, nothing, this is no lie. At the time, I was going to uh show with a promoter friend of mine. And we would get there early. And people would run up to me thinking I was Ricky Morton. And I'd be like, no, I'm not Ricky. I'm his brother. Dang. I'm his and brother. I, tea, I was like, I asked her, I said, would you bang Ricky?" She goes, "Yeah." I said, "Would you bang his brother?" She goes, "Yeah." I'm like, hey, let's go. So, anyway, but <laughs> um, even people that I went to school with would come up and ask me, "Was I Ricky Morton's
0: brother?" Wow, and, you know, and and I didn't think I'm it was like, a coincidence, man. Cool. Yeah, I didn't think it was a coincidence because I was like, you know, I could see, especially like that '94 time when you came to the WWF. I'm like, I could see a little bit of Ricky Morton in there. So, I mean, again, I'm I'm not surprised, but it's it's so cool to get that story from you. Um, speaking of it's which, it's
1: cool to like somebody on TV and you get to fucking hang out with them.
0: And yeah, I
1: ended up being Ricky's best man at his wedding.
0: Wow! So and
1: to this day, man, Ricky Morton is hot as fuck. I love Ricky Morton the best.
0: So not only did he train you, not only did you get to pattern yourself after him, but he's one of your best friends in real life. So that's, I mean, that's that's the crazy story well, he, of the wrestling business, right?
1: The thing about it is, and, and you know, people just don't realize how special this is at one time you know he when him and robert split up he they did the same thing with cash we were known as the new rock and Roll express okay so you know that that's an honor i mean you know all we were there was taking fucking let ricky shine but we knew our job too you know what i'm saying Fuck, i'll go in the job so you know ricky can look good the team with ricky Gordon, and rb
0: right wow so so let's talk i mean um you you go to the wwf uh, as enhancement talent in in 94 how how'd that come about like who made that call to get you in there
1: i was wrestling with uh price in george south they had a little promotion that they ran and um they asked me they said hey do you want to go do tv in new york I went, sure now at the time it was monday tuesday and wednesday and only one hour of raw was live and the other was taped because that's what they did one live and then they show the tape one the next week. And, um, so we went up there, they, they got a, um, van from somewhere and we went from North Carolina to fucking Midhooks and Civic Center. And I really didn't know Matt Jeff Hardy was in the uh, van. Um, if else was, I was going to say,
0: know, I've actually know. heard, I was actually going to mention, I've heard Matt and Matt and Jeff Hardy mention uh, George South and I think it was NWA, uh, NWA Mid South and how they used to come up in no, a van. PWF. PWF. Sorry about that. PWF. Okay. PWF. So,
1: wrestle
0: free. right. So, they'd mentioned that, you know, they'd be, st- be stuck in a van with a couple guys and they'd go up to New York to do uh, some jobs. So, you were one of the guys yeah, with I them. With 14 guys. Wow. And so that must have, I mean, no air conditioning could make up for that body heat, right? <laughs> Fuck, the man. Very
1: first night, the very first time we went, I thought with Matt Hardy the whole way up there. I didn't know him. I didn't have a clue who he was. But I find him asleep. I wake him up and go, hey, man, you sleeping? The whole fucking way up there. It's one if he don't hate me with a passion. But, <laughs> you know, I was just, I was entertaining me. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right, right. I mean, and you can only do him, so much. He he
1: because Stallion right? and George love me. Right, and they kept telling me they're like, "Hammer, you're you're gonna get up there, and they're gonna they're gonna fucking want to keep me." And I'm like, "Well, they kiss my ass because I come home." But uh, (laughs) I think here's the thing: is like maybe a while after we started going, they realized, "Hey, there's fucking little independent groups in every town that we go to. We get on the same, you know, set jobbers up there. I'm sorry, enhancement talent, and we ain't got pay trans, and we ain't got pay hotel. And you know, they're already in the town, so." They came to North Carolina at that time, probably once or twice a year. So when that ended, I was like, "Well, it feels fun while it lasted." I honestly, believe that if I would have kept pushing like Matt and Jeff did, that they may have done something with me, even though it was a very hard to road because everybody fucking loved working me because I made them look like a million dollars by doing nothing. Right? You know what I- I'm saying? And that's like just an example. The first night I worked to talk to the second night I worked to one, two, three kids. Well, we get there the third night, and Sky goes, hammer, could you working?" And I went, well, I don't know, because they ain't put up the uh, the card yet. He goes, well, let me go find out. And I said, well, hell, if I don't work, I don't care, because back then, everything really was hard. You know what I'm saying? I said, well, I'm tired, and I don't care if I work anyway. we still get paid. So, um, and he come back, and he goes, well, you give that up. because nobody in the fucking buildings wanting to work you. I went, yeah, great. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, the very first night that I wrestled to talk and I was the pump This is another little known fact that nobody knows is that when uh if you watch the match they show again in slow motion me doing the bump right right well Vince McMahon himself told me he said we've never done that he said we showed it again during you know during the match he said we've never done that a couple months later he got double feature
0: oh wow so so you might have inadvertently created the double feature that was popular I think in the I, mid 90s I double feature <laughs> I think I
1: should get a damn kick every time they show a double feature <laughs> all right we gotta we
0: gotta get find we gotta get this man some royalties because he created the double feature and and hell I mean because of that bump I'd have, I'd have showed it twice too Hell the ratings probably went up well, as soon as you hit that bump, bump. bump
1: after the bump sang and then then like and they're all watching the monitor right? And so when I did the bump, he said everyone the WWE guys jumped on and said, "Fuck, oh, he's dead!" So he meant to do that. I was like, "What?" So, I'm leaving. Um, I'm kind of still selling the back a little bit. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> nice. So you're working the boys. And um,
1: <laughs> Owen Hart called me over. He goes, "You meant to do that?" And I went, "Yeah." He goes, "Unfucking believable! That's the most awesome bump I've ever seen." And I'm like, all right, cool." So then, like, uh, and he told me he said, "He said, man, I wish they'd let me work people like you." He said, "They, you know." Got me against fat motherfuckers to come up for a and I'm like, "Well, keep dreaming, kid. It'll come true." So uh, uh. I left, and then um the next night I did it with the one, two, three kid. Well, the third night, George Steele comes up to me. He's an agent back there at this time, right? Right. He goes, "I got he was just not it. wasn't me, sorry, God, it wasn't me." He goes, uh, "He said I come to these shows, and I come up to the show, and He said you've been brought me out of my seat twice for that damn bump." He said. Don't do that bump anymore my heart can't take it I'll never do it again. <laughs> and then a month later, as I get out of the van, no one comes up. I mean, I had just got out of the van and no one comes up and says, I'm working you night, right? And I went, like, Yeah, I don't know. I ain't even been in the building, and no one He goes, Yeah, said so you working that kid that does the bump through the ropes. he said, You're famous, friend right up here And I went, like, All right, he goes, You wanna do it? And like, I don't know, you think I should he goes Fuck yeah on then we're there. So we did again. Yeah, you know, I was like, um but the coolest thing was I guess Either the third or fourth time that I went, uh, I'm in the hallway, right? here comes Shawn Michaels. Now, I, love, I love Shawn Michaels to death. I think mean, Shawn Michaels is probably the greatest workers in the history of wrestling. And um, so he goes, yeah, somebody told me that you did that by accident the first time. And I'm looking around, i like, who yeah, the hell is he talking to? Like, Shit, he's talking to me. So he's sitting there talking to me, right? I don't hear half the shit he's saying because in my mind going, it's fucking Sean Michael. fucking
0: Sean Michael talking about
1: something that I did. <laughs> fucking right. And then I swear to God, later that night, Mr. Perfect came up to me talking about my bump, and I went, "Holy fuck!" Two of the greatest bumpers in the history of rap, talking to me about something that I did, and I offered to give Sean the bump. He said, "No, let's do it when you do it. Sorry, we'll keep it that way." <laughs> I, said, All right. I offered.
0: That I mean, that's awesome, man. Uh well, First of all, Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time. So it, it's cool to hear that story from you. Um, And I was just like vividly like almost like imagining how that conversation went. And I was in awe just thinking about it. But let's talk about Mr. Perfect. You said, you know, two of the greatest bumpers. I think Mr. Perfect. Kurt Hennig is the greatest bumper I've ever seen in the history of wrestling because his stuff just sometimes like when he would get slingshotted into the rope and he would just throw his legs all over right, the ropes. Right. Oh man, like he he was easily the best, and for him to compliment your I love bump,
1: Sean, but Sean's so perfect,
0: yeah. Yes, exactly. And I think
1: bumping, Sean's so perfect.
0: Still. Exactly. I think Sean patterned himself after Mister Perfect, uh, in the bumping sense. And so for the greatest bumper, in in my opinion, to tell you that your bump is awesome, I think I, that's a story to tell your grandchildren, man. That's awesome. Well, here's
1: the thing: as great as Sean Michaels is, as great as Mister Perfect is. I ain't heard no Shawn Michaels bump or no Mister Perfect.
0: i right, <laughs> yeah. right there. I love it, bro. I love it. It's true. I mean, you literally—if you go on on Instagram right now and and go hashtag Chris Hamrick bump—you will see the bump that we're talking about. You can't do that with Shawn Michaels. You can't do that with Mister Perfect. Hell, I don't think you can do that with any other guy in the business. There is no guy who has a bump named after him, and there is no guy who invented the double feature. So, come on now. <laughs> But, well, i
1: mean if you google chris bump, it's you know it's what comes up it comes up Chris bump and right oh, yeah, yeah. And the
0: bump name's i'm cool and it's cool because i think like i saw it you know it was posted on reddit a couple years ago of just like the chris Hammerick bump and i'm like I, I know that name i knew him from ecw and then i go click it i go click the uh the link and i see that bump and i'm just like like Holy crap! Like, n- who who does that? Like, who has a bump named after them to the point where a whole wrestling community—I'm talking about just l- a list of comments—going, "Holy shit, that guy's crazy!"
1: Right. It happened in '94.
0: Um, but you told us a story. We posted uh, the one of you bumping for Owen, and uh, you posted a cool right. little comment. I kind of want you to to reiterate that one because I I thought it was one of the coolest things to hear about Owen. What I say. You <laughs> basically talked about how Owen hey, I,
1: say, I say so much shit, it is hard to keep up with what I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that basically uh the bump happens and then you said you told me, you said, watch Owen when I go out of the ring. That basically he stood back and just right, admired the bump. Yeah, he literally turns around and just watches it while, you know, the referee's admonishing him. And he, it's very clear that he's watching you go down as if to just say, holy shit, I can't believe he did that.
1: Oh, yeah, if, if you watch him, he'll turn around so he can watch it. He loved that ball.
0: So do you have... Um, a
1: so freaking old cool, man.
0: That's what I was going to ask. What was your opinion of Owen Hart and, you know, how he treated you at that time?
1: was a dick. <laughs> Brett was a dick, but Owen was just... They were opposite from night and day, and to me, Owen was ten times the work of Bret ever was.
0: You know, growing up, I thought that too, Uh, and I'm a you know, I growing up, I liked Bret Hart, but like as I've gotten older, I've like just gone back and gone, man, Owen was just way better. That WrestleMania ten match that they had was easily so good because of Owen.
1: My very first night, uh, WWE was the night after WrestleMania
0: ten. Well, there you go. That's crazy. So literally the night the only after. The
1: thing that I never I wanted to I wanted to wrestle Sean, and I never got to wrestle Sean. Oh, man. So each time I went, like well, naturally he's hurt after the ladder match. Right. Then I think he had like a broken, uh, uh, broken arm or something. Every time I went, he was hurt, and I was like motherfucker. Because like it was funny, dude. Because like we'd be on the way to the show, the stallion George goes hammer. Who you want to work? And my first thing, my first trip up there, I was like, I want to work one, two, three, kids. So I ended up getting to work him. Then I said Jarrett, and I got to end up working Jarrett. And then uh, there's somebody else, Owen. Oh, like, so each time that I went up there, I got to work one of the three that I named, which was pretty cool. Scott Hall requested to work me.
0: Oh, wow. Nice. And I mean, Scott Hall is one of the greatest minds in, in the history of the business. So if he if he requested to work you, I think that says something about you.
1: Well, the thing about it was, is we get there, and I guess Tony Guerrero was the agent. He goes, hey, this is Chris oh, Allen. was like, hey, you ain't got to tell me nothing about this guy. I've been dying to work him. Wow. And he said, I know that we should do your bunk He said, but I don't really do anything that would let you go through the ropes to do that. And I went, hey, I don't care, but I'll tell you on Scott's truth. I hate taking a bump to where I can't see the fucking mat coming up. Um, when he gave me that razor's edge, I'm late. You know, I'm sitting up there and I'm crucifixed on his arms, and I've not been paid. And i went, like, you know what? I can just slide my fucking arms in, so I'm back. They out the door and big gone by the time he got back in the locker room. I don't know. I didn't want to take that ball. But once I tell you, it wasn't shit. But I was like, I actually thought about sliding down his mat and running out before he could hit the finish. Wow. That would have helped my career tremendously,
0: wouldn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Brandon, uh, you've been pretty quiet during this interview. You got anything to ask our guest, Mr. Chris Hemrick? Yeah. Or, or? yeah. yeah there's a few yeah, things, there's actually. There's a few but, things, actually, but um,
2: – what do I say? You've what worked with a lot of people, people, uh, people. Uh definitely future Hall definitely of Famers in my, of in my opinion. Um, um I wanted to know, wanted to know how it was to work with uh, with uh K Quick
1: Quick
2: Bob holly
1: and the one two three kid. Bob yeah, Holly's <laughs> seven flavor cock <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say that is because I'm standing there and um one of the referees asked Bob, because who you working not? And mom pointed to me, like, man, you're going to love working this motherfucker. And it was like, it was no big deal to him. Well, was a shit thing. Like, fuck him. Me um, yeah. and Ron started out on the Indies together. Uh, I have trained Ron. Oh
2: wow. oh, wow. That's crazy. Oh, wow.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, we used to be known as Rock and Rap. Um, I was <laughs> Rap.
2: Yeah.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> The thing about it was, is it was before we knew anything about psychology, we could do the big moves, but they didn't really. I've watched some of our masters, like, oh my God, we are the fucking shits. Great moves, but as far as psychology, no reason to do them or, you know what I'm saying? Um, who's the other one?
2: Uh, oh, one, two, three, kid.
1: Oh, that one, two, three, well, I Um. He was cool when I you know, he thought, look, I know we did that bumpy, so let's figure out a way to do it other than just the fucking mess the clothesline. So that's when we did the fucking, you know, he keep my feet out from under me. Um, I ain't got nothing bad to say about Sean.
2: Good stuff, man. Good stuff.
1: I thought, that if, if I thought we could have had a competitive, if, if I ever got to wrestle on Indies, I thought we could have had a hell of a match.
0: Right, as opposed to, you know, the the couple minutes you had on WWF TV.
1: Right, yeah, I thought we could have had a great
0: match. Hey, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to put you over a little bit right now because Brandon probably doesn't uh, know this was you, but uh, do you, Brandon, do you remember, um, I think it was August 2007, uh, when Triple H was feuding with uh, King Booker at the time? Oh,
2: wait,
0: wait, wait, so he was involved in this somehow? So he, there was actually uh, a fake version of Triple H, Oh. Um, where he placed a crown on Kim Booker's head and during their ceremony, like right when before Triple H came back. That does that, does that guy sound familiar? Because you might be talking to him right now. That know. was D Chris Henrick. That's crazy. Well,
1: let me, what happened, let me <laughs> do, I'll tell you a funny story to make you like it. Is uh I'm sitting at the curtain, right? And they hit Triple H's music and the place was fucking popped. Huge, right? I looked right at Vince Man, so I went out and I went, I'm over. <laughs> that, that's <the> curtain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's like who the hell's this guy he thinks he's H. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man brandon so you you've seen i mean chris, uh, just so you know chris uh brandon's a little bit more of a newer fan i would say he came in you know probably 2000 what, what would you say brandon like he, yeah, he so the, like uh, late 98, 99. Yeah, but he didn't watch ECW and stuff, so I don't think he's realized that he's seen some of your work on Raw. <laughs> uh Yeah, I wanted,
2: uh, yeah. To, know I wanted to know if you know if had like a favorite had, match, or match type or,
0: or
1: anything like that anything or, or, like that, or stipulation. stipulation. Hell
2: no, as long as I get paid and don't get hurt. It's a good
1: night. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just the mentality of... Just for example, um, and I tell like I said, I do these seminars and I talk to these young guys and all it probably goes in one there and out the other, but I don't give a shit. Um, you know, when, when you leave you guys feel you wanna steal a show. I know a lot of people say that that's bad to think, but if I got if I'm on a show, I want to find when they leave I'm gonna talk about Chris Samark and I'll do whatever the fuck I have to do to make him talk about Chris or Or stupid monks or comedy or whatever the fuck I do. You know what I'm saying? Um, just um you know, I've always been one to, you're going to have to work your ass off to, to get a better reaction than I get. Put it that way. Because I'm going to do what I have to do to, to steal the show.
0: That's awesome, man. I think that's the mentality I think most most guys should have. I think
1: it. that should be. I think yeah. I think if you go into the ring and your goal is not, not to make these people fucking so talk about you when you leave, you're just wasting nobody's time. Right, or even go out there if you don't want them talking about you when they leave. Right, and to do that, you have to fucking try to steal the show.
0: Yeah, and it's it can only better everybody else who's on that roster. I mean, uh, if you go in there, and you know, it's not necessarily saying you know that you need to think you're hot shit, but you have to have some sort of ego to be able to go out and perform in front of you know thousands of people. You have to think you're the best. If you don't think you're the best, you're not going to be the best ever.
1: You have to be, you have to have confidence exactly if you believe it, then they're not going to
0: believe it right and you got to be your biggest self-promoter absolutely
1: absolutely Because so ain't nobody gonna push you as hard as you push
0: yourself right and i mean th- th- i think there's a reason why you know you walk backstage and people are like oh, i'm gonna work the guy who does the bump because i mean that that shows how much you busted your ass you know they they knew you from your bump you know they knew you from your work rate you know more so than anything else
1: and the thing cool about ecw was when you went out and had a good match when you come back in the, the boys gave you a, 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 the applause you know what i'm saying that makes you to me sometimes it's better than money you know what i'm saying
0: right uh, so you get you so how you got that standing o when you came back after a couple matches yeah nice yeah
1: yeah yeah um it was me and julio and easy against Joey christian and tommy dreamer and when we come back you know, we got to stand and and Tommy
0: Dreamer goes, Hey, if there was
1: christopher to grab there bumping
0: his ass off, we wouldn't have got that. Wow. So I was like, Holy shit. Wow. And I've heard you know, I've really heard good. stories
1: of that really of, makes you feel good.
0: Right. I've heard I've heard Tommy Dreamer is a gracious guy, but like it's like every time I hear a story about him, it's just like him saying something like that that just really puts a guy over. And I I I know he meant it too. I'm not just saying that like he's blowing smoke up your ass. But, I mean, for him to do that, go out of his way to say, hey, Hamrick made that match, like, how awesome is that?
1: Let me tell you what else was cool. And I've never seen anybody do this before or since. Is when we would have a big show, a house show, or a pay-per-view. Tommy Dreamer would bring in a DVD and a TV, a DVD player and TV, and sit down and watch a match with you individually. And okay. find out what you should do and what you should never do again. Wow, and i went wow who has that much passion for fucking what they do
0: right i mean but he
1: did it he sure fucking did it
0: that's a fucking metaphor for tommy dreamer right there i mean you to go out of your way like you just said and just i mean how many hours must that be to just sit there with the talent and watch you know dvds uh matches and point out you know what they did good what they did bad like that that's time sucking right there
1: All right, that, that, i was like wow man, that's fucking awesome
0: and he was, was it's not like he was just doing that. He was pretty much doing the daily running ECW in a way uh when Paul Lee e wasn't there, he right?
1: Was, he was the heart of ECW. Right. He
0: was
1: the heart of ECW.
0: Man. And, and if anybody wonders why, you know, he gets choked up and gets, you know, he looks like ECW was his baby, uh it's because it, it is ecw was tommy dreamers baby uh he is called the heart of uh, ecw hey, by many many people and that's not just a catchphrase. i mean you can hear his heart was definitely in ecw it
1: was funny like when ecw folded probably, i don't know a couple months later dreamer calls me i'm like yeah he goes hey what are you do doing i want nothing. what do you want he goes why do i have to want something chris hammer why can't i just <laughs> call my friend I'm like, oh <laughs> my bad i feel bad now Shit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. So so what do you what do oh, you want? The kind of big ECW,
1: you know?
0: So did he need something or is he really just calling in? <laughs> no, he just he, he just actually
1: well, just called to see what I was doing and to say hey.
0: That's awesome, man. And and like I said, I hear stories about Tommy Dreamer and I have nothing but respect for that guy. Um but anyway, th- this is about you, man. Uh so let's talk. You you had your, your run in ECW. Um after ecw folded what what you go what you do i mean i i think if i did my research correctly you may have made a stopover in a certain company that uh is having a little bit of impact on the uh, T-N-A. wrestling T-N-A. business T-N-A. right now right oh the uh
1: fucking crimson dragon book yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah from what i've heard you were uh the crimson dragon in tna <laughs> well didn't i
1: do didn't i do spw before that
0: uh, from what I from what I've seen is it's around the same time. So you can you tell me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I did SPW before that. Which uh, you know SPW had E and they were the Eagles. But if you think about it, I mean, when I first saw it, I went, "Oh, this is fucking awful." But once they came to the East Coast and Shane, you know, took control, whatever, it was basically ECW show with fucking some SPW guys on it because, like, i I'll get Everybody that I knew in ECW that wasn't under contract, a job. Matter right. of fact, they called me middle office because I, I had everybody's contacts. You know, I got Doran, I got Christian York, I got Joy Matthews, I got Jerry Lynn, uh, who else? Fucking Julio. I got everybody's jobs at SPW. And I'm like, okay, so now. You read on the thing well these guys are fucking awful. my like, you know a year ago two years ago they were on pay-per-view still on the fucking show now they're awful just because they're working for xpw you know right. I last there i made a hell of a lot more money than i deal with ECW. but you know it's just it had that reputation but i didn't see nothing wrong with it
0: i was going to say as a fan i i i saw i mean xpw was just really not regarded as a good you know federation again i can't speak for it i didn't really watch any any xpw i I heard the rumors but so you're saying that uh xpw wasn't as bad as people are making it seem
1: no no and you know some people they're so damn close-minded when they get something bad about a promotion they're not going to change their mind right uh xpw you know they did the run-in on ecw pay-per-view out in california so automatically they were the heels and then um you know, it was run by a porn company. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if they're sucking dick through the week. I'm like, <laughs> I should not care where the money comes from. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's <laughs> so stupid. Um, and then fucking, you know, the very first time we came to the East Coast, um, they called me. They go, hey, we're we'll running East Coast. I went, like, please tell me you're not running the ECW arena. They're like, yeah, that's the plan. I, oh my god, mm. we threw 1,100 people that night.
0: How and how much? Uh, how many people do? Usually come to the ECW arena for ECW shows.
1: Oh, we would sell it out ECW, no no doubt about it. Yeah, first time I pulled up to the arena, I went, "You sure we're at the right place, motherfucker?" This place was like <laughs> run down, but once you got me and you got the people in there, magic, man, it was magic.
0: Right, and I mean, yeah, and I and think would have it. Right,
1: SPW would have done good at the time we were there at the arena. We draw eleven 1, hundred people. They had a TV show on in in um, Philadelphia, to advertise the show. And they got so lazy that they just quit sending the fucking tapes. And then, like, it dropped down to three hundred. And then, you know, finally, they just they moved back to California.
0: Wow. So they well, just... I have
1: nothing bad to say about the company whatsoever.
0: Right. But it apparently they just kind of gave gave the fuck up and and went right back to California.
1: <laughs> went Back to California.
0: Oh wow. So um. Uh, interesting, something I didn't know about you, but uh, I guess you were on the first episode of Wrestling Society X, which was, if nobody knows, uh, a short lived uh, show on MTV, which was actually pretty damn cool.
1: It was, but I knew it was going to fail because they had so many things going on at one time. You can only concentrate on one thing at a time. You know what I'm saying? Like you got me going to a table, you got an explosion over here, you got an explosion over there, you got something over here. I'm like, you can't, you can't fucking keep track of everything that's going on. Right. Um, I think with the talent that they had, if they would have stuck the wrestling, they could have made it.
0: And that's Sometimes what I'm saying, yeah. They
1: had Cabana. They had fucking... Um, Matt Sidell. God, who did they have? Matt Cross. Right. Um, Jack Evans, Teddy Hart.
0: Right. And those two... They had
1: guys that can fucking do. Why well, put them in gimmick matches when they can work? That's what I don't understand.
0: Uh, as a fan, in my opinion, I think they saw things like ECW and and said, you know what, that shock kind of shock TV is working. But they didn't understand that it wasn't just the shock TV aspect. You know, the the table, the flaming tables, and things like that. There was actually a lot of ring psychology and a lot of emotion in the storylines. They thought that just because you blow up things and and do that shit, that it, it can make a successful TV program.
1: Right. but ECW, you had hardcore maybe one or two matches. The rest of it was just great fucking wrestling.
0: Right, and that's what I'm saying. I think they were... And
1: then people say they got to try out every fucking match. You know, that's the thing. When I first started watching SBW, every match was hardcore. fucking. It was all the same, just different guys. I was like, well, this is beyond the drizzling shit. Right. (laughs) We were hardcore, but we had great fucking matches. That's what set us apart from everybody else.
0: And I was going to say, I think, you know, that's That's the problem is a lot of people saw ECW and just, you know, relegated it to, oh, it's a hard, it's a hardcore wrestling federation and that's it. You know what I mean? And they thought they could replicate it and they thought they could replicate it. And, you know, whether it's wrestling society X or, or XBW and, you know, from being in that locker room that it wasn't just the hardcore wrestling that fans tuned in for. I mean, just listening to this podcast, it, it was a family. It was emotion. It was, you know, passion for the business that made ECW different, not just because somebody hit somebody with a fucking chair. And hey, so you had some workers. ECW,
1: if you think about it, ECW show gave you everything it's a little different. They gave you the girls, they gave you great wrestling, they gave you hardcore. There was something there for everybody. Not everything was the same fucking thing.
0: Right. Like the matches actually stood a out.
1: Ring of Honor. Early, right. Ring of Honor, early Ring of Honor was fucking great. But you've had great wrestling match after great wrestling match after great wrestling match to where they're doing the same shit, different guys.
0: And so at a certain point, if everybody's the greatest, that means nobody's actually standing out.
1: Right, right. What did they do? They didn't do the match before, or they're going to do the match after.
0: Right. That's a good point to make. Even if everybody's good, if it all looks the same, it all mashes together, who the fuck wants to watch that program?
1: Right. I mean, that's what I tell guys all the time. Go out and be different or just be another fucking match on the show and blend in.
0: And I think, to you me, know, I
1: don't want to be just another match on the show. I want to stand out. I want people talking about me when they leave.
0: Right. And I think, you know, if there's something I learned in the, in the, talking to you on this podcast, it's that standing out is key. I mean, just in, in even if it's bad, as long as you bring something different to the table, it's a lot better than looking this as like the same generic shit that everybody else is doing, you know?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, say that you got some guy fucking writing about a show that you're going to and then you, yeah, he went to. all right? so he can say, Well, so and so took him on grave, so and so took his back off, so and so he can say that about everybody there. But if there's something different that you do, he'd be like, Oh, well, you should have seen this. Right. That's what gets fucking attention. Okay.
0: That's awesome, man. And you're you're teaching me something about the business, you know. As and as a someone who's been a fan all my life, man, I, I appreciate it. Honestly, man, there's so much insight you have to you have to offer. And you said you're doing some speaking tours. Did I hear that correctly?
1: I do seminars. That's I do awesome. Seminars before some of the shows or whatever. And I have done seminars where these motherfuckers are and, you know, sitting in the corner because I tell them the shit that they're doing was awful. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm honest, and if you ask me to watch your match, I'll be honest. Where if you don't want to hear the truth, don't ask me. Because if I go in and I'm, at least say I don't even watch your match, and you come back from having the match, and I go, hey, that was great. Keep doing what you're doing, kid. And then he's on the show two weeks later with fucking Jerry Lynn, and Jerry Lynn goes, well, you're the fucking shits. Well, Chris Hammer said I was good. I mean, that makes me look stupid. Plus, I'm not doing anybody any favors. I'm definitely not doing the business any favors. Right. Hey, you fucking learn and work or get the fuck out of business. Right. If you don't want to hear what I gotta tell you, fucking don't ask me. You know, I'm gonna be seminars, they'll be over there piling and I'll go, Look, you'll be a shitty worker the rest of your fucking life. You ain't gonna affect my career whatsoever. <laughs> I'm trying to teach you something. If you don't wanna listen, no no you know, it's not my concern
0: and i think the word people don't realize the word is criticism it's not compliment it's not it doesn't mean that you're supposed to just sit there and blow smoke up everyone's ass and say they're the greatest in the business like you're there to teach them something if they're doing something wrong you know they should be listening to someone who's been in the business i mean what 30 years at this point almost me 36 36 holy shit so almost 40 years so are, are you still wrestling around? Or are you still, are you, I you know, from Wikipedia, it's saying that you're semi-retired. So when was the last time you did a show?
1: I did one two weeks ago. Uh, nice. There's a little group that runs up above my house, and I was working for them, but I'm pretty much, I'm done. I, it ain't fun no more. It's fucking crybaby bullshit, you know. And I'd rather stay home with my daughter and do shit with her.
0: Oh, that's awesome, man. You
1: don't I, cry as half as much as that <laughs> fucker, <Steve. laughs>
0: Hey, you're not the first person I heard to say that about the business right now. And, I mean, dude, just listening to some of my fellow fans, it, it does seem like just even the audience is entitled. It's, it's a different generation, and it kind of sucks in a way, man, because like you said, it's just crybaby bullshit. Everything sucks. Everything's this. It's like, why the fuck do you even watch wrestling, or why are you in wrestling if you're just going to cry and talk shit about it all the time? It's
1: not real. Tell it's not real. We don't really win those belts,
0: boys. <laughs> you would never know it based off some of these some of these people. Well, th- actually, that's I think that's the worst part about the business. Now, in my opinion, is that because people know it's not real, they think that they automatically can have a fucking opinion on the business, even though they're fat, out of shape, sitting on their mama's couch watching it.
1: Right, right. <laughs> Keyboard warriors.
0: Keyboard warriors. I love well,
1: it. You know it. It's just like the fucking uh, smart marks that come to wrestling and try to get attention by cheering the heels or it's doing something to stand out, make yourself stand out because they're too much of a pussy to get in the business and learn to do right. So they do do what they got to do to try to be a part of the show. Right. You it's, know, It's like I tell them, if you're not getting a fucking paycheck or you're not coming through that curtain, you're not part of the show nobody cares fuck what you think
0: right and exactly you know, but- uh, and i i really and i'm talking from a fan perspective it really pisses me off to go to shows and hear these guys go well that, that guy sucks that guy's this or try to put themselves over it's like who the fuck are you to look at someone even if hypothetically they are enhancement talent or they're a guy who's been in the business just a couple months guess what they're in the fucking ring and you're not so you need to shut the fuck up and let these guys Do what they want to do. They've pursued their dreams and their passions, and you got to respect that.
1: Well, you got these fucking idiots that used to come to the arena. They're not watching the match. you are waiting for somebody to fuck up so so they can get you fucked up. I mean, you know, it's just fucking stupid.
0: So, have you ever?
1: Mama fucked up with the (laughs) adju.
0: You hear that, Brandon? I'm (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Brandon, you got anything?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So you're in, you get to your hot tub you know you get settled in you put on your bluetooth headset what is chris hemrick listening to right now what the fuck and kind I'm of question what,
1: i get so much i get so much fucking heat because me being that ecw hardcore motherfucker, right my favorite singer right now is adam lambert
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking I awesome i love adam lambert yes i love adam lambert as it like,
1: he's, he's a great fucking singer.
0: Adam Lambert from American Idol. That's surprising.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Holy I mean, shit! To two
1: of his concerts. Like, you know, I got, I got fans of mine go. I can't believe we fucking meet C W guy Adam Lambert. Hey, I like him. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I fucking do. <laughs> Dude,
0: that was the last thing that I I expected you to say. So that I got respect for you just <laughs> just for admitting that, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might have to use an Adam Lambert song uh, on this episode just uh, sure, as our intro and outro just because of you.
1: I like Adam. <laughs> hey, let me tell you story. Go I ahead, man. Story, right? Yeah. So my little girl loves Adam. She was turning 12, uh, probably a week before her birthday. He came to Charlotte. I got tickets. And uh, when we got there, the fucking line was like a mile long. It's this type of place where there's no seat. She had to stand up, Right. So they had like a special ticket thing, and I looked at my little girl and I went, alright, let's try it anyway. So we did it, and they shot us right through. So anyway, we we're, we're, there's already people in there standing, so we're going to be way behind the stage. And we go to the restroom and I at security went, hey, is there anywhere that she could, because she's like the only little girl there, you know what I'm saying? And I said, is there anywhere that she could be, because I mean, if she, you know, these people stand, they're not going to be able to see So they said she's like, well, the VIPs gonna be right here, but once they get in, you're welcome to stand right here. She could reach out and touch the stage, right? Wow. So fucking. um, He comes over and he's singing a song, and I could tell when he saw Bella because, like I said, she's the only little girl there, and he looks down and he smiles at her. Well, when he turns around, when he turned back around, I held her in my, you know, I held her up and I said, "Hey, it's her birthday," and he sung a verse of his song to her. Bad of the year, right there. Uh, she she, she couldn't have been more happier
0: you know as a father myself so, I, I I really like that story man that's awesome because I I would do anything for my little girl like that too and for you to have that experience now I know why he's your favorite singer
1: <laughs> well the thing about it is you know uh, well she knows Adam so I joke around when I went you know honey he could have been singing that to me <laughs> he that. I said, I'm just saying I'm just throwing that out there
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, 12
1: years old and she loves Elvis freshly. How can you go wrong
0: with that? Right. Yeah, you don't have a lot of 12 year olds that even know who Elvis is. Dude, I I just want to thank you, man. I I know we've taken a, a lot of your time and I appreciate you being on our podcast, man. And especially you reached out to us and said, I. I think I told you this already, but I was I was nervous. I'm like, man, I kind of want to ask this guy to do the podcast, but I don't think he'd be down for it. And then right when I had that thought, you messaged me and said, if you ever need to guest in the podcast, I'd be honored to do it. So I respect the hell out of you just for that. here's
1: the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. If you do a podcast and you have somebody not to do it, they don't want to do it. Just fuck them. I mean, you're you're doing talking an hour or something about yourself, putting yourself over, talking about the business. So
0: don't want to do that <laughs> right
1: you know what i'm saying it, so you know if they're too busy for that just
0: fuck them yeah hey
1: what do y'all think about today's wrestling let me ask
2: y'all a question okay shoot sure. what do y'all think about today's wrestling um yeah I, i'm so, kind of going, that same, I'm way, going but that same way but i think the I think business, business is sort of transitioning kind of got change, change with the time um um I think it's getting better, though. You know, I think there's there's still bright spots here and there, um, at least on the WWE side. I'm glad they're um, giving the women a more prominent role in the shows now than they were before. So that's something good uh, to look forward to. I'm excited about, you know, potentially what can happen for the main event of, you know, Mania uh, if they decide, you know, to go with the lady. So there, there's stuff to look forward to, I think, with the business still. I don't think it's completely dead and gone yet.
0: I respect the hell out of everybody who's in the business currently still. I think it's so cool that, you know, it's so mainstream now. I mean, it's so easily accessible compared to back in the day. And I I still have respect for all the wrestlers who put their bodies on the line, you know.
1: As far as action, I think it's 10 times better. I just wish they were still baby heels um, and a little more selling. You know, um, if you hit me with a punch and I don't sell it, then why are you fucking hitting me with a punch? You know, it's just wasted. But as far as today's wrestling, I love today's wrestling. I'm fucking the Young Bucks. Oh, wow. Motherfuckers have vaginas and low standards. Are you kidding me?
0: Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I love that,
1: Nick. Um, Fucking New Japan wrestling. I think it's probably some of the best wrestling on the planet. Um,
0: Well, there we go. I I love
1: today. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of today's i really
0: am so chris let's talk i think i think that's that's exactly exactly the point i should have been making which is i'm not the biggest fan of wwe sometimes because of the you know what yesteryear used to look like but outside of the realm of wwe like you said i just watched wrestle kingdom uh the other day and it was so freaking was awesome
1: great.
0: was it not oh man like it it made it me go it made great yes and i mean the bucks you know uh cody rhodes you know the the omega match at the end i mean that match how long did that match go that was not like 15 minutes that was like maybe 45 like they had a lot of time for that match
1: yeah, it was 45. It was 45.
0: yeah and so outside of wwe i think i'm really excited especially with the announcement of all elite wrestling i'm excited that there might be you know another viable company i i miss there being competition for the wwe um, because, you know, being able to flick the channel in the nineties and, and just, you know, go between nitro and raw, you can't explain that to kids nowadays. They don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, so there might actually be Tell some, them li-
1: the best ever.
0: yes. And it, it goes back to you saying like everybody wanted to be, if you want to be the best, you know, have everyone talk about you. That was the mentality everybody had in the nineties because, they were in direct competition with another company. You had to stand out. So I think it created better better wrestling because of that. So that's what I'm excited to see in current-day wrestling. Right,
1: well, you're getting pay-per-view matches on free TV.
0: Yes, you were seeing guys dive through the, the top and middle rope and do a flat back on the, on the bottom and hear the gasp of the audience. Some might know that as the Chris Hamrick moment. But
1: seriously, <laughs> but seriously, think about it. Every match on that fucking um, New Japan show was better than any WWE pay per view in the last ten years.
0: Yeah, and the work rate was was phenomenal. And I'm not it blows WWE away. You see, and I'll admittedly I'm not the biggest uh, New Japan fan. Like I've just gotten into it maybe in the last couple years, and that show just was just like a breath of fresh air for someone like me who's been used to the WWE product. And just seeing the type of matches that they were having, it was just like, holy crap. I mean, the show was, what, like five hours? And it felt like it passed by so quickly. Yeah. It was so quick. And I'm talking, right, right. I mean, the the matches stood out, the Kota Ubushi match versus Will Ospreay. Like, I, the work rate in that match, I just, it's like, I First felt like match. I, yeah, I, I blinked and missed like five moves.
1: Yeah, I, I love Mika Bam. All, all those guys are fucking awesome. But, yeah, you know, as far as today's party, whatever, as far as the action in the ring, I think it's 10 times better than what we did. Yeah. But I, I still, I honestly believe you need to bring back babies and heels, good guys and bad guys. Give give the people somebody to boo instead of curing both guys, you know, yeah. saying because they can do shit. And nobody cheats anymore. Fucking, you know, I tell these guys all the time, I said, just cause you come out of that locker room, does not make you a heel your actions make you a heel if you don't fucking cheat okay if if i'm a heel and i come in and i beat the baby face and i'm my heel if i don't have to cheat to beat him right It makes no sense to me
0: and do you feel that you know because of the way the the fans are now where they're almost there's you know uh area of gray as opposed to black and white do you feel like a lot of the guys in the business now almost don't want to be a true heel like they don't want to step
1: nobody wants to be a heel yeah. Everybody wants to be cured, and that's the—that's what's wrong with the business. Everybody wants to be fucking cured. Just like, you know, these indie guys, you go, know, hey, man, you know, I'm very fucking cheap. Well, that made me look weak. Or if they, you know, ask them to do mm-hmm. something funny, they think it makes them look stupid. As a heel, you're supposed to look weak, and stupid dumbass.
0: Right, like that's yeah. your job. <laughs> okay,
1: let me get your definition. <laughs> I know you're just a fan. Mm-hmm.
0: What's your
1: definition of a heel?
0: A heel is someone who goes outside of the box to me in order to win so whether it be cheating whether it be you know underhanded tactics basically they're not they're winning by any means necessary they're a coward you know they're supposed to instigate in some way shape or form
1: all right brandon yeah um yeah, I, I was
2: thinking no no i'm not, I'm not masturbating I promise. brandon, brandon I, I he's he's <laughs> on to something here I promise I'm not, I'm not masturbating right now. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> but no, 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 the, uh, yeah, so the, my understanding, the heel is, is, of course, you know, is the bad guy, I guess. But the heel also sort of, you know, sets the pace of the match and the tone and controls it. But he's supposed to, you know, elicit a negative reaction from the crowd in order to get the good guy over. It.
1: All right, let me tell you my definition of heel he's a chicken shit motherfucker until he gets the advantage of my cheating and then he's the baddest son of a bitch in the world.
0: Love it. Nice. So I think, I think there's a general consensus. No, nobody
1: wants, nobody wants to play, nobody wants to play chicken shit anymore. They make it, they think it makes them look better. Just an example, okay? I went to England um, for a 10 day tour and I'm sitting there and I'm watching Johnny Storm, Jody Fly, Doug Williams, all these guys work out and they're fucking, they're going. You know what I'm saying? They're like, Fuck, I'm not competing with that. So you had seven matches on the show. You had six matches of great wrestling. I went out and I did comedy and stole the fucking show.
0: Nice. Because you stood out. They
1: were, they were actually writing in on the website, Still Hammer's passport. Don't let him go back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you Still see.
1: Because I was, I was doing chicken shit stuff as a heel and, it, and you know, comedy. And it got over because they hadn't seen it.
0: Right. Because, because you stood out.
1: Just fucking matches. Right, um, But nobody wants to play the picture shit, nobody wants to cheat, nobody wants to fucking, you know, and it's so
0: old, it will be new again. Right. And I think, I think the way IOs have viewed it is like a heel should not have a redeeming quality about them. Like you should do anything to elicit a negative uh, response. Um, and you're suppo- your job is to make the baby face look better. I think that's why we don't have true baby faces and true heels nowadays because the heel doesn't want to put the baby face over. They want to make themselves look look better and it, that's not the dynamic right, to, to look weak. right, and it doesn't create a good match. It, it would actually be better if you look like a chicken shit heel. It would make it would put you over, put your opponent over, and ultimately you'd have a better match because of it. Because you'd get more of a crowd response, people would be into it more, so everybody's stock would go up.
1: So you would not believe how many times I used to work for a little independent person up near my house, not doing it, and you know they'd have my name underlined or no, fuck that. So you know, I'm always let him cheat. Let him, you know, giving something to cheat with because there's no shame in losing this. somebody made cheats, it'll make him a better wrestler for right me now. If he goes out and he's a bad guy, and he fucking pins me clean, then yeah, he just fucking made me look like shit right. Uh, example, y'all know, uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman,
0: yes, yes, he was on all in, Max yeah, wins,
1: Jacob Friedman.
0: yeah, he was on all in, he's he, great he, heel. Mm, yeah,
1: he's a great fucking heel. I watched the match. And he beat the CZW guy, champion, and pinned him legit. Pinned him right in the middle of the ring. I called him, like, what the fuck? He goes, that's what the promoter wanted. I said, well, tell the promoter. First of all, he don't know what the fuck he's doing. Second of all, he made his baby face champion. a lot like, shit, because you fucking beat him without having a fucking cheat. Right. How bad mm-hmm. does that make him look? You know? And I went, it's so fucking stupid, man. I mean, why guys don't get If you're a heel why they don't get that fucking the loud you get booed or jeered is same as getting pop, you know? Right. It's, it's a different reaction. Fucking, you can make anybody love you, but you know, it, it's, it's hard to make somebody hate you, hate you. And what I do is I think about who I watched as growing up as a Hill, and think about what they did that made me not like them. And then I put that in my matches. Right. Well, I mean, they just don't understand that fucking, I'd rather be a heel because you can have so much fun.
0: You know, I mean, that's you exactly that's exactly what I was going to say. Actually, my, my train of thought was that isn't it better to be a heel because you don't have, you know, a, a box basically to work in? Like you can just do basically anything, whether it's, uh, you know, chicken shit, whether it's cheating. It's like I've heard people rather be heels because there's more uh, like they get to do more in terms of their character.
1: You just get to have so much fun. You get to fuck with the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like, You look at a woman, she's so ugly, she'd make a strap on go limp. <laughs>
0: That's probably the greatest line I've ever heard from a heel, so I might have to steal that one.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, there's just so much you can get by with as a heel, and nobody wants to do it anymore, well, they'll boo me. Well, you're a heel. You're supposed to be booed, you fucking clueless idiot.
2: Right. Right. No, uh,
1: no. You know, I always say bring back the art of being a heel
2: uh as a heel do you feel it's important that you also sort of remain that character sort of in real life like do you like tweet it you know on your personal twitter like uh, as a heel character Do you uh, need you, you're not
1: gonna be a no you're not gonna be a douchebag out in public and i don't give a fuck how big a heel you are you never refuse to sign an autograph yeah. uh yeah you know you're just to me if a kid comes up and asks for an autograph yeah I don't know. I just, I don't see you telling him no, you know, if you give it to him and then tell him to shove off or something, you know, still play the character a little bit, but you just don't, you know, I don't see that. I'm sorry. But no, I mean, you don't, if you're a heel nothing in the ring, Yeah, people ain't gonna fucking want to talk to you anyway. If you're a, I <laughs> I like if that. a heel you should be, then they shouldn't fucking want your autograph. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I like so, that, because that, that's mean, a great answer. That.
1: To me, if you're a heel... And I don't give a fuck if you get heat coming to the ring, going through the ring, whatever. As soon as you stand up in that turnbuckle and raise that hand, you've lost all credibility as a heel. Because a heel should not give a fuck what anybody in this building thinks and not trying to get their approval.
0: Right. That's awesome, man. And, I mean, dude, you have such a great mind for the business. I, I, if these guys aren't listening to you when you're up there speaking... There's something wrong with them because I'm a wrestling fan. You've given me so much insight. I think Brandon is I, Brandon can say that as well. That's fucking awesome, bro. That's a great take on the, the state of the business now, and you know yeah, a true but, heel. See,
1: here's the thing: if y'all don't have independent wrestlers' mentality. An independent wrestler's mentality: if he's on the show, he's already the best there is, and he can't learn anything else. Mm. Prime example, and I used to be the same thing. Ricky Morton used to talk to me and Kid Cash, he was blue in the face about doing shit that didn't mean anything. And as soon as he broke off, he was like, I ain't just mad because we can't do it more." fuck him. You know what I'm saying? That was just the mentality that you have as a wrestler. But then like when we got to ECW, it was like, you know that Morton got in my what the fuck he's talking (laughs) about. Less does mean more sometimes. You know, and just... But when you first get in the... It's just like if you're training. If you're training to be a wrestler, once somebody puts you on that show, Training is fun. You're already on the show. You're not going back to training. You already know everything you need to fucking know. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. That's a, that's an indie raskless mentality.
0: Gotcha. That makes complete sense. And, uh, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, in a way you do have to have an ego to think you're good. But, you know, you should always, you should always be learning. Especially, like, in that case, Ricky Morton. Uh, arguably one of the best baby faces in the business. If he's telling you what to do and, you know, how to better yourselves uh, as a heel, especially you should listen to him because nobody mounted a comeback, a baby face comeback, like Ricky Morton.
1: Right. Absolutely. But, uh, the thing is, is I mean, like you said, Ricky's hall of fame. Ricky's fucking, he's been everywhere, done everything. And the thing that really got me about Ricky was, and I'll tell you a funny story is that Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson sold out every fucking major arena in the United States. They were the hottest fucking act in wrestling at one time. And when I met Ricky on the show, he treated me with respect because I treated him with respect. And that's what got me. I was like, man, this motherfucker is sold out everywhere he's ever been. And he treats me like I'm a good friend. So, you know, that's where my friendship started. But the very first time I ever wrestled Ricky Morton, I come in the locker room. Ricky's already dressed and at the gimmick table. I look and Ricky's got a pair of red pants where white friends land on top of his bag. I'm like, oh, this will be funny. So I put his pants on and I've got sweatpants pants on over them so he can't tell that I'm wearing them, right? So we get in the ring, and we go
0: to
1: lock He goes, I got a pair of ties. <laughs> <laughs> and we hit we it off ever, ever since.
0: That's awesome, man. I appreciate that story, man. Uh, just want to thank you, man. I, it, it means a lot as a wrestling fan to have someone like you on our podcast. And like I said, for you to reach out to us and, and be willing to do it. So again from the bottom of my heart thank you and uh Brandon I mean anything you want to ask before we let our guest go? Our
2: guest go? No, likewise. no I, likewise I feel the same way thanks for likewise, coming to the show man it's I, I know, didn't man. think this was going to happen <laughs> yeah. man but
0: we're big league in it right now man <laughs> You're you're actually the I'm first wrestler we we've, we've had on So uh thank you for that we might have to send you some swag or something pretty soon.
1: I'm just a guy that fucking you know made it in something that I loved and got to see the world and meet people and by the way I'm going to Christy Miss. I don't
0: know if y'all know that or not but uh, um, y'all don't have
1: an idea who Christy Miss is, do you? No, I know who Christy Miss is. <laughs> Brandon,
0: do you know who she is? I'll have to see some tape. <laughs>
1: some tape. <laughs> Google her. you be, be masturbating. I
0: them. was going to say uh, you know, uh, hands uh, above I'm, the table when you Google her name. I'm her. opening a tab right now. <laughs> He is
1: fucking gorgeous. Um, Christy. Yeah, you know, I'm just somebody... I'm oh,
0: sorry? Don't mind him. He's just Googling the name, so I don't I don't even want to know what he's doing. <laughs> M-Y-S-T. You know, he... He's really googling. I just want you to know. So we probably should wrap this thing up. Oh, I can believe it. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. Like okay. Christy, Christy, with the K. That's <laughs> that's what I got
2: it wrong here. All right. This is fantastic. K
1: and the I instead of a Y. Yeah. yeah.
2: She looks phenomenal. She's
1: fucking gorgeous. I'm convinced she got more hammer tender than my second cousin. Yeah, man. This has been fun. Fucking have to
0: do it again. Yeah, man. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you again so much. Any closing thoughts before we let you go? Yeah,
1: wherever you go, there you have
2: been. Just fucking. Brandon? Wait, hold on. I'm checking out Christy. Go on. What's
1: up? (laughs) We've lost him. We've lost him.
0: Yeah, we've completely lost him right now. (laughs) I blame you, though, so.
1: He's working on that man to hand relationship.
0: <laughs> uh, He's being a heel to his meat right now.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing about it, and, and, and I'll say this in all sincerity, is guys like you make it thankful for us that we did what I did and that y'all remember and appreciate it. It makes it all worth it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Thank you so much, man. And it, it's an honor for you to say that to us um and to have you on. We'll definitely have to do it you again sometime. Didn't mean it. Hey, also thanks
2: for uh, telling us about Christy. Oh,
0: Oh, Jesus! Fucking (laughs) Jesus Christ, Brandon, Chris, I, I, am gonna have a field day right, right after we end this call with you because I won't be able to do the rest of the show with him. But again, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, to episode 17 of the Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast. Thank you again to our special guest, Mr. Chris Hamrick, an ECW original. Uh, really, an honor for him to be on the show and and to even be willing to do the show with us. So, thanks again, and have a good one, guys. Hi, right, man. Y'all have a good one. All right. Thank you. Later. Later. Hi.